This week's episode is brought to you by Megadodo Productions, publishers of the Encyclopedia Galactica and the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Don't panic! Back in the 70s and 80s, before the advent of VHS, chances are if you saw a classic movie, it was on the 430 movie. With their famous theme weeks, it was a chance to see movies you never saw and get reacquainted with some old classics. So, join us now for the 430 movie. This week... It's Vampire Week on <laughs> the photo of the movie. This Ooh, scary. This is Mark Holman. I love to count. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, two three, three, four. Wonderful I'm here. scary movies. I'm here with my expert band of kindergartners um, here to program a Vampire Week on the 430 movie. You can say vampire. It's okay. Vampire We're in America. Okay. (laughs) Vampire Week. And uh, I'm thrilled uh, to celebrate Halloween with this great group of vampire experts, of slayers. (laughs) I got uh, Mr. Stephen Melching, writer, producer for television over here. Welcome, Steve. Good evening. (laughs) Concept designer, Darren Docterman. Blah. <laughs> and of course, uh, yeah. film and TV writer Ashley E. Miller. Welcome back to the show. I never drink wine. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Only vodka. So, uh, <laughs> and of course, I'm Mark A. Altman. And this week, we'll be looking at, in honor of Halloween, vampire movies. And uh, now I want to remind you that only motion pictures are eligible. We won't be looking at TV shows. So when you all start yelling, why didn't you talk about Buffy? You know why? Because Buffy the Vampire movie sucked, okay? So um, (laughs) we're not talking about the TV. (laughs) We're not talking about TV. If it was TV, I'm sure we would be doing Buffy and Supernatural and all these other X-Files. that's a totally different podcast altogether. Now, here's my question. (laughs) Is something like the Night Stalker eligible? Because, of course, um, that was a TV movie. No. No. Okay. There you go. Because <laughs> <laughs> the theatrical motion pictures in your that come in your description, television. TV movie. There you go. TV. Okay. Very good. TV. So if we don't TV. mention Dan Curtis's classic Night Stalker, Night Strangler duology, um, that is why. That's correct. Okay. Don't yes. look for them in any other part of this podcast. Because as we all know, movies trump television. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least they used to. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so um, uh, I'm going to start with Steve Melching, Monday. Well, I'm going to uh, bring out a film that uh, would actually probably be good for the 430 movie because it is not a movie that is readily available to watch. Uh, I tried. I really wanted to rewatch this movie, and I have wanted to rewatch it for years. But it's simply not available. It's I found it on one obscure streaming service. I'm really interested in what you're going to say. I, I, it I is out of know. print on uh, DVD. Uh, it is not available on Blu-ray. I, I think it's available as an import on Blu-ray. Is it on Viewmaster? Uh, no, it is not on Viewmaster <laughs> either. Is it bigger than a bread box? <laughs> <laughs> is it Sounds smaller like... than a coffin? So oh, I'm, I'm talking about a film that uh, came out in 1987 uh, that uh, was probably overshadowed uh, by another popular vampire film earlier Vamp that with year. Grace Jones. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> it is Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark. Mm-hmm. 
Now, this is a film, yes. uh, if you're not aware of well, it, which you may not be. Well, I'll scratch that off my it's, list. Uh, it's, <laughs> right, scratched off it's a, It is a very difficult film to see. Unfortunately, it's a crime that this film is not available in high definition. I mean, it is, after all, uh, directed by Catherine Bigelow, who has won the Oscar for directing The Hurt Locker, uh, went on to direct uh, Point Break, uh, Hurt Locker, Zero Dark Thirty, many other uh, films. A lot of her films are not available on home video. But anyway, Near Dark. Described best described as a vampire western. Uh, it's about a uh, a young a young guy played by Adrian Pazdar who crosses paths with a attractive uh, young woman who turns out to be a vampire. She she bites him as they usually do. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, he starts to turn into a vampire, and he falls in with her clan of vampires what do you call her a collection biker of gang it's a gang vampire gang who roam around the desert southwest in an rv with all the windows blacked out with tin foil and black spray paint and they uh they roam around killing people and and this is a film that is incredibly violent incredibly profane uh incredibly scary uh and has a score by tangerine, tangerine dream, dream which is in awesome. a score uh, it's or a, is it Tangerine Nightmare? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a cast reunion of sorts from Aliens. Uh, the vampire gang is led by Lance Henriksen and includes uh, Bill Paxton as a particularly psychotic vampire mm-hmm. and uh, Jeanette Goldstein, who is another vampire, and then a, a child vampire. Um, in some ways, it could be argued as being derivative of the Anne Rice books, uh, which were incredibly popular at the time. Huge. huge. Uh, I, I remember huge. being a little turned off by the movie in 1987 because I, I thought it was kind of derivative of this stuff. But in retrospect, uh, I, I really, uh, really like this film. Um, it's got some terrific set pieces in it. Uh, the the two that stand out are the big uh, bar scene where the biker gang or the vampire gang uh, goes to this kind of shit kicker bar and terrorize the patrons and it is it's a long scene and it's it's very violent uh, and scary and then there's a scene later in the film where the vampires take cover in a, uh, a house or a motel uh, during the daylight as law enforcement descends on them and they get in a shootout. And as the bullets punch through the walls of this house, little streams of sunlight start going through it and the, and burn the vampires. And they're trying to stay out of these beams of sunlight as they, you know, and, try to And that, to my the knowledge, is the first time that was ever done. There's a similar se- sequence in um, the Coen Brothers' uh, Blood Simple, which is also the shafts of light. But, of course, they weren't vampires in Blood Simple. Right. But, it's such, yeah, but it's such a great sequence. It's it's yeah. really one of those those classic um, you know, and and that's been imitated many times since. But the first time it was done was right. by Catherine Bigelow in this movie. Yeah, I just think it's a wonderful uh, vampire film, criminally underseen, especially now. Um, right, deserves yeah. a wider audience. It's I'm, among my favorite films of all time. Um, it's just so beautiful. I would use the word haunting, and so I shall use it <laughs> um, because it is. There is just something that um, Catherine Bigelow brings to it that um, there is a dreamlike quality to it that you feel just a degree off of reality but in a good way like reality has gone ever so slightly wrong so that it's recognizable it's tangible it's graspable um but it hates you and it wants to kill you um 
And I think that um, that it's actually incredibly well acted. There's a certain naturalism to it mm. um, that is very different uh, for this kind of movie, and certainly you know in the in the '80s. Um, and you know, there's interesting stories around it, like um, the actress who played May, who is the girl who Adrian Pazdar from Heroes falls in love with, uh, Jenny Wright. She um, she disappeared after yeah. the making of this movie. In fact, there's if you can find it, and God, I think I might own it somewhere. Um, uh, it, extra, you know, the extra features on the, mm. the Near Dark like DVD or Blue, whenever the hell that was released and then went out of print. Um, there's this astounding moment in that where Adrian Pazdar is being interviewed for sort of the, the documentary look back at, at Near Dark, and he just looks at the camera and he's like, Jenny, if you're out there, we all miss you. We all love you. Um, please come back to us. And wow. it just wow. it just kicks you in the mm. gut. Um, but it's just it the whole movie kicks you in the gut. It's just beautiful. I have one little issue with it. I just like I have never found, but I go with it anyway because I love it. Um, I've never found the solution to vampirism very convincing. Yes. Um, but I just embrace it because the rest of it is is so great. Are we can we do spoilers on this podcast? Yeah, I mean, look, oh, sure. I think so that, he yeah, gets a blood sure. transfusion um, from his father, and it's actually it's actually a cool scene. It's just conceptually, it just it's doesn't weird. quite reach the. You know, and the then he saves the the girl the same way with a yeah. blood transfusion. Like, oh, I didn't know blood transfusion was a cure for vampirism. But, right. Uh, I want to point out is. that one of the reasons we announced the films we're doing on social media is so, you know, somebody is so inclined they can actually watch the movie before listening to the podcast if they haven't seen it. Because you know, obviously, we can go into a lot more depth. It's a lot more interesting if we actually talk about it than try and dance around the fact. Obviously, that in order to find that out, follow us at at four three zero movie podcast on Twitter. That's right. We're at 430 Movie uh, Podcast at Twitter. We're also available. You can check us out on Facebook. Hit like on Facebook, the 430 Movie page. And then, of course, our website is 430movie.com. And if you're listening, uh, home video companies, you've got to put this movie out on uh, on high def. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, help us uh, scream factory. <laughs> you're our only right. Hope. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I, I would agree. It's uh, it's. Uh, it was pretty cool for the time, and you know, now after many years, it's still pretty cool. And, and this is a film that came out kind of at the the dawn of the the modern vampire film yes, movement. Right. There, there weren't a lot of vampire films out. At, you know, there there were a couple in the eighties, and we may discuss a couple of the other ones. But um, since nineteen eighty seven, there have been a lot more, and, and certainly in television, with uh, I mean, a ton of vampire shows on television. Really. <laughs> but there weren't those revisionist vampire shows. I mean, you know, a lot of it was goofy. It was parody stuff. Um, and um, this was really, it sort of reinvented the, the sort of, you know, it was Breaking Bad before Breaking Bad with vampires. And well, well, these weren't like the sexy, like hypnotic vampires, really. Right. I mean, they were a vicious gang that roamed around and victimized And it's people. so interesting, you know, that at the time, you know, Catherine Bigelow was spending a lot of time with James Cameron. That's when she met them on the set of Aliens and then right. decided to use them in Near Dark. I mean, it's a great story about you know, why it's virtually the same cast and, and that's that's the time period where I was hanging around with James Cameron and I actually had pizza with Bill Paxton in Jim Cameron's kitchen one day mm. while I was hanging around there. Did he flip out and tear your throat out with his face? He didn't actually. He was more interested in the pizza, thank oh, goodness. Okay. <laughs> um but that was sort of my first like real connection with like actors and directors and things like that and it was 
you know, it, it made everything really real to me for the first time. And that was a very strange occurrence. And let's take a moment to remember Bill Paxton. It was yeah. just a, a wonderful we actor. lost him a couple years ago. And a wonderful man. You know, yeah. By all accounts, he was just a lovely guy. Yep. And uh, He plays such a bastard in this movie. Oh and that's just a testament to what a terrific actor he is. Yeah, yeah. No, Near, Near Dark's a terrific film. And hopefully, like you said, somebody will salvage it so that it can get um, – seen more maybe you know on the 430 movie so um, that's Monday Near Dark A Fine Choice by Steve Melching uh, Darren Dockerman Tuesday Tuesday I get Tuesday and on Tuesday that means we're going back in time way back in time <laughs> back beyond the 50s beyond the 40s beyond the 30s beyond Ontario since before your sun burned hot in the sky Not I have awaited a vampire movie but Eight years before the Bela Lugosi Dracula mm. was 1922's Nosferatu. Yes. Um, Excellent. It is the scariest vampire movie I have ever seen. The um, It was uh, directed by F.W. Murnau uh, in Germany, and it was actually an illegal film because... <laughs> They were trying to get around the copyright of Dracula. I was going to mention that it's it's <laughs> they were they were dancing around the copyright of Dracula, which was a you know a familiar book and stage play, and this was basically based on the stage play. But they changed all the names, so they thought it would be okay. Um, in the end, they got sued by uh, by uh, Bram Stoker's estate and got in all sorts of trouble. And it was unavailable for so many years. Count until Orlock. Count yeah. Uh, <laughs> Orlock. I don't like orange juice. <laughs> um, it's a silent film, so you'll have to do some reading of the subtitles. But oh my God, it is the the visuals are unbelievable and the character of Count Orlock played by well, Shrek. Max Shrek whether or not that's <laughs> his real name or not I think it's a wonderful touch um, but he is just ghastly looking he is yeah. he's not he's not your ordinary bat flavored vampire he's a rat he is he he looks like a giant human rat with a big bulbous head and is the scariest thing you've ever seen. The way he moves, the way he looks at people, the the uh, it's just so creepy. And um, I, I saw this when I was very young, and it screwed me up big time. And, and this is a film so that was made, you know, at the dawn of motion pictures. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. the filmmaking is truly astonishing for 1922. Yeah, yeah. it's astonishing for any yeah. time. What do you think of the remake, the Werner Herzog remake of Nosferatu? It's it's interesting. Um, compared to the original, it's just I, I night and day. I completely agree. It's good. I mean, I, I think it's good. It's Werner fine. Herzog is, it's yeah. fine. It's not, but the original is the original a, 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 is a way masterpiece, better. a classic for And Steve and I have, have talked about this before where we went to see um, A Shadow of the Vampire at Telluride, mm -hmm. uh, which is about the making of right. Nosferatu. And then we went to a see- fictionalized account. Fictionalized, yeah, yeah, fictionalized account. Then we went to see- um, Nosferatu up on the hill overlooking Telluride, and you have a, to take a this fully giant restored version with a a live, live orchestra uh, accompaniment, the, uh, alloy orchestra doing live musical accompaniment, and it was remarkable. I mean, you you it was a remarkable experience. Uh, the the film to see it restored, it looked beautiful. It was terrifying and scary, and we come out in this dark and stormy and rainy night, literally raining thunder thunder lightning, and it's amazing because of the time period that it's that it's made in. Um, the 
distance you have from the reality of it makes you completely believe everything you see. Mm-hmm. So you don't look at it as a film. You look like it. You look at it as a document yes. of what actually happened, and it's a really amazing effect when you watch it. I was actually fortunate enough to see it, um, it was, but it was in Hollywood to see it like a print mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. with a live music performance, and it was mm-hmm. the first time I'd ever seen it. Right, and I was actually just kind of blown away by it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, that somebody managed to accomplish that, you know, in the 1920s is just. Yeah fascinating to me it's staggering yeah and let me give a little shout out here i uh on the dvd edition and i'm not sure if this special feature ported over to subsequent editions but in the 90s there was a dvd edition that had a wonderful audio commentary track Mm. by a film scholar named Lockie Heiss, mm-hmm. who was a classmate of mine, and Darren's as well, yeah. I think, at USC Cinema School, and uh, you know, a, a silent film scholar. And he just gave this terrific audio commentary talking through the whole film. I recommend it very highly, uh, Lockie Heiss. L-O-K-K-E. Yeah. Yeah, an excellent, excellent, another excellent choice. So Monday, we're looking at Near Dark. Tuesday, Nosferatu. Wednesday. All right. So we're going to set our Wayback Machines <laughs> to uh, not as far as Nosferatu, okay. uh, but to um, my senior year in college. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I met a, uh, a young lady um, mm-hmm. who eventually uh, would become the mother of my children and also my wife. <laughs> um, and... Uh, it was a spur-of-the-moment decision to ask her out on a date. I was riffing, you know. I was just kind of using the force and being spontaneous. And so, look, I had a couple of rules about what sorts of movies um, to take a date to on a first date, right? It's like you never want to do anything that's too violent. You never want to do anything <laughs> that has, like, explicit sex or nudity. You know, you never want to do— there was I, I took things. a girl on a first date to the movie Happiness. <laughs> Big mistake. <laughs> wow. Well, that says more about so you. So I took her <laughs> to the last exit to Brooklyn. Except we're talking about vampire movies. Yeah. No, I, uh, um, no, I, uh, I decided it would be an awesome idea to take my future wife <laughs> to see Bram Stoker's Dracula oh. on our very first date. And you know Francis what? Francis Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> Francis Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. It's a long title, but it works. But let me tell you something. So I think, look, there is no question that Keanu Reeves, um, who is amazing as Bill, wait, he's Ted. He's, Ted. He's Ted, Ted Theodore Logan. Ted Theodore, yes, Theodore Logan. And he's John Wick. Is awesome in those films. Um, he However, is, he is a gigantic <laughs> sort of black hole in um, in the middle of Bram Stoker's Dracula, which, in every other respect, is just this this beautiful film. Um, it's just beautifully made it's it's got so many smart ideas animating the filmmaking you can see um coppola just he's experimenting well he's you know what that is he he he, when he set out to make the movie he said he would use no technique that was not available to the filmmakers who made the original dracula so that's why everything is either like stop motion or matte good acting was not among <laughs> right. But, it was not a prerequisite. Gary Oldman is fantastic in oh, that movie. Yeah, and yeah. the thing that's really great, I think, about um, about this film, other than the fact that it's that it's beautiful and it sounds great, it's sumptuous. Costumes, yes, absolutely sumptuous. sumptuous. Right. Yes, I can watch it again and again. It's um, the fact that it it captures something 
in Dracula that um, that frankly that the that that earlier versions, earlier takes um, on the character never did because all of those films were more or less based on the stage play, which ignored mm-hmm. something really super duper important about the original novel, which is Bram Stoker didn't really write a horror novel. What he really wrote was a Tom Clancy techno thriller, right? <laughs> um, in which the plot was. Dracula was this dude who was trying to take over the world. And what was arrayed against him were people who were using technology he did not understand. Mm-hmm. And if Dracula had been able to read a goddamn train schedule, <laughs> <laughs> that story would have turned out completely differently. But it's actually important to the storytelling. Um, you know, in the original novel, uh, Mina Harker is it's look, it's not a romance in the original right. original novel. And I think it's actually brilliant the way that 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 uh, Coppola brings that into his film yeah, and it's that beautiful. That really annoyed me at first when I first saw Bram Stoker's Dracula. Like, what's with this freaking romance? There's no romance in the right? novel. But then it kind of emerges this thing that kind of that made Dracula himself um, just just very sympathetic. But you know, in the in the original book, Mina Harker, her entire purpose was to be a Dracula detector. Right. Mm-hmm. It was like once they realized Van Helsing, oh, yeah, it's like she actually yeah, can sense Dracula. Beep, 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 beep. It's like, OK, cool. She's a vampire Geiger counter. That's awesome. I love it. Um, but I think Coppola actually elevates the material in so many ways. And it's material that's already elevated. It was already a classic. And he, he kind of created his own thing out of it. And it's just it has that. We're not supposed to say certain words on this on this podcast. We're not. What? I guess not. Well, we shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't because I would say it too much once we release the Kraken of the F word. Um, but That's the Fracken. Yeah, the Fracken. <laughs> release the Fracken. <laughs> oh, my God. Now I forgot what the hell I was going to say. Except for Fracken. So there you go. Mina Harker. Mina Harker. Jonathan Harker. Nope, 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 nope. It's gone? Nope. It's Damn gone. It. Although, again... It'll Very be long. back. It will be back. It In will about come back. two minutes. Another great score as well. Fantastic. Yeah. How do you pronounce Wolf, Wolf, Wolfrich Kiar Kiar Wojciech Wojciech Kiar. Absolutely iconic score that has been used over and over again in movie trailers and 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 and, and other things. Uh, yeah. A wonderful score. And I, that, the first thing I did after I saw this movie was go buy that score. score. And beautiful production design by my friend and now deceased uh, uh, boss, uh, Tom Sanders, um, mm-hmm. who uh, did an amazing job putting that together. It's just beautiful. And Sony released it recently on 4K UHD, and it looks magnificent or sumptuous, which is today's word of the day. <laughs> right. So, um, I, you know, I highly recommend the, the 4K version of that. But dripping um, with sumptuous, it was goodness. a really fascinating experiment. And you know, Coppola was, you know, in the in the in the 90s, you know, post flush with the success of, you know, The Godfather from the 70s, and then some of his other uh, films. You know, he was really experimenting, and then it got to the point where, you know. Uh, he really believed in that one for me, one for the studio thing, uh, where he did like the Rainmaker with Matt Damon, and then. But you know, Dracula's a really interesting film, and the, and the way that he chose to approach the adaptation of that book, you know, and using that uh, that that toolkit is it's it's it's, it's you know again, it's not a movie I love and I throw on a lot, but. I, you know, I admire the craftsmanship, and and there's so much to love, particularly Gary Oldman. I've traveled oceans <laughs> of time to be. Well, and, and Anthony Hopkins yes. uh, is terrific in the film. Uh, one of his follow-ups to Silence of the Lambs, as Van Helsing, mm-hmm. the following year. Yeah, he's yeah. great. Um, and uh, and just sort of weirdly feral in his 
own way in that movie. Like he yeah. is, he's he comes off as a little bit crazier, yeah, and more mm-hmm. terrifying than Dracula does, right? Because our sympathies are with Dracula, which and, is and, and, really yeah. it's so interesting because yeah, he marries that whole mythology to the myth of of Vlad the Impaler, right? You know, he gives this whole backstory. And it's interesting. And I love it to really make him the, more the sort of the relatable. shadow puppets to, to right. tell the story of, uh, of his history uh, in Romania. Uh, Winona Ryder is, you know, I, I don't want to be reductive, but she's absolutely gorgeous in this movie and delivers a terrific performance. Uh, she steals the movie. I didn't get that memo. Are we not allowed to say that she's gorgeous? <laughs> well, you know. She is gorgeous in the movie. Yeah. She is, but she's more. She plays a terrific character. Okay. No, she does. Um, and you know, she has to. She has to stand. Think about what she has to do in this film. Okay, so standing up to Keanu Reeves in this is like it's like she's on the bunny slope. But like all of a sudden, <laughs> she goes from that to like she's got like how many diamonds is the most number of diamonds on a ski slope? I don't know. I don't ski because I hurt myself. But uh, but Jesus Christ, she's doing scenes with Anthony Hopkins yeah. and Gary Oldman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she brings it, and she's awesome. Yeah. You know, you don't forget that she's in the movie. You very well could forget that she's in the movie, but you don't. And you believe that Gary Oldman's Dracula, like, does cross oceans of time. Well, that's the thing about, you know, like when Stranger Things happen, everybody's, oh, you know, uh, she, you know she's terrific. Well, she, you know, she's been terrific in most of the yeah, things she's right, been in, yeah. you know? I mean, yeah. from Heather's on. Yeah, I right. mean, You, you know, know what, what I, babe? You know what I need? Well, uh, the... High school the movie. strange thing yeah. is that every time I think about this movie, I think about on The Simpsons, Mr. Burns dressed up as <laughs> as, as Gary Oldman uh, with the with big the, with, you know, the big white hair uh, and, the, right. and, the, and the long red outfit, and I just crack up. I can't get that out of my mind now. Well, so thank you, Simpsons. <laughs> and I will say also that um, that here's something very important that I learned from uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula: that all of my rules about what sort of date to take somebody on a ah. first date on <laughs> were stupid. Because ah. obviously it worked out. Um, <laughs> it was actually a really good choice. Uh, not that she ever wants to well, see the movie again. It's romantic. But, it's yes. scary. It's got all the things you, all the emotions you kind of want to go through. Of course, with, now I she think. wants you to wear the wolf costume all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's weird. So and There's a lot to discuss afterwards, you know, about that movie because it's a movie that then inspires discussion of, you know, the, the technique and, and the adaptation and, you know, the, the approach that he took. So, yeah, and, and it's it's romantic and sadistic. There's a lot, lot going on there. It, it so. won several Academy Awards. It won the Oscar for costume design mm-hmm. uh, and Just, makeup mm-hmm. and sound editing. And the art direction was nominated yep. for mm. an Oscar. I, I, think, I think it would make a, a, a very good double feature with – Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, Mr. Dracula. Well, <laughs> if we are doing Keanu Reeves week this week, I'd like to nominate Dangerous Liaisons, <laughs> which is another brilliant movie that he does no favors for. Um, I, I love, Are we not? Are we not going there? That's, I think that's in a couple weeks. Okay. Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. I mean, we'll call it you Whoa Week. Make the argument that Dangerous Liaisons is a vampire. I know. Movie. That's Kung true, Fu. actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Malkovich should have played a vampire. Does Malkovich play a vampire? In- that's not no. the that's Malkovich not, is a vampire. That's what? not the same movie. What? Malkovich is in Malkovich Dangerous, is in Dangerous Liaisons. Liaisons. I'm talking he's about. He's in uh, Shadow of the Vampire. Yeah, he's in Shadow of the right. Vampire. He plays, right. Uh, Murnau, right? He, yeah, and it's uh, what's his the name? William Defoe is, 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 is Max Shrek. Place, yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. But isn't Keanu Reeves in Valmont? No, Keanu Reeves is in oh, Dangerous Liaisons. No. It's it's Elliot from ET in Valmont. 
Yeah. Uh, Valmont yeah. is the bad version of Dangerous Liaisons. <laughs> well, I, I like them both. Okay. I like them both. We'll, it's we'll save that control. for another week. Yeah, that's a whole other discussion. Costume, it's drama just, week. It's yeah. beyond my control. So I have to ask you before. <laughs> that's all I have to say. <laughs> that, you know, it's just like we look back at these movies. People say, why do you do a show like this? And it's like because, you know, I know a lot of you think that, you know, basically film began with the MCU. But uh, it's kind of like these movies are so brilliant. All and these movies can... take up 8% of the 10% of the brain that we use. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> There's so many movies that are worth, you know, a, a look if you haven't discovered them. And even after listening to some of this conversation, like, I want to go back and watch Near Dark again. You know, yeah. it's like I want to go back and watch Dracula. Um, okay, before I get to Thursday, I have a quick question for all of you. Mm-hmm. The answer so, is yes. No. So, so it's, oh. it's Halloween. Obviously, this week is right. Halloween. Um, so, <laughs> uh, what candy are you going to be giving out at your house? Uh, or what candy would you like? We get a lot of trick-or-treaters in our neighborhood. We have a very high density. And, and sometimes Darren actually comes over because mm-hmm. Darren lives in a low-density trick-or-treating neighborhood. Right. And he'll help us uh, hand out candy. I live in a very hilly w- area where kids don't like to They're walk. They're too lazy to walk up they the are. hill to get the candy. Yeah. And they heard about the crazy man. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they like the crazy man, okay? <laughs> crazy man is fun. One year, Darren uh, wore his full Darth Vader costume. Yeah. Aren't you a little short for Darth Vader? Yes. But it's still fun on Halloween. Yeah. Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? But yes. uh, so we, yeah. we I, I don't I don't give out the cheap stuff. I mean, I, I, we don't give out full size candy bars, but we give out the quality candy. <laughs> I prefer this isn't second rate, no name no, brand it's not that stuff. stuff. It's it's the quality it's Hershey's, a quality bag. Messleys, Messleys. You know, full size peanut butter cups and you know Hershey's candy bar. You know. Fun size candy bars. Mm. What are you going to dress as? Do you dress in costumes still or no? Sometimes. Yeah. I, I was David S. Pumpkins last year. <laughs> uh, but uh, you Any know, question? Halloween is a, is a one of those holidays I've always loved, but I've never really had a great costume for it because I'm not particularly good at you know I can't make them myself. And and my mother, bless her heart, actually made me a really great vampire costume one year. She made me a really great Dracula co- cape, a lined cape with a red mm-hmm. lining and a high collar and everything. I, I love that costume. My favorite Halloween candy is Fun Dip. You remember mm-hmm. Fun Dip? Oh, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. It had a sugar stick and three packets of, like, sugar powder that was flavored, you know, arguably different ways, but it's all the same. <laughs> Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> yeah, but, no, but you, you, you lick the sugar stick and you dip it in, and, it, and some of the powder sticks to it, and you taste it like that. It's goofy, but it's fun, and I remember yeah. it from when I was a kid, so shut up, Ashley. You know, it's funny because, you know, my birthday is right <laughs> around Halloween, so I used to have, you know, my birthday parties usually the weekend before Halloween, so they would be costume parties at Lola's, at mm. the late, you know, lamented Lola's, which we miss very much. But... Um, <laughs> It was funny because I, I remember very vividly the year that Steve came as Indiana Jones right. and yes. Darren came as Tote. And <laughs> yes. he came, you know, as the Nazi antagonist Indiana Jones. And he had the um, the, uh, I had the headpiece, the, the headpiece uh, of Stan burn, Rock burn on my burned hand. on his hand. I, I had a glowing poker and I had, I had the Nazi pin. Well, interestingly enough, the day before that, um, I was working at Universal on The Grinch. And, of course, we had a little costume get-together at, at work. And I didn't realize when I wore my costume into the office that in the same building across the hallway was Steven Spielberg's Shoah Foundation. Oh, no. Oh, no. oh my God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. I realized oh, God. this as I was walking into my office and thinking, 
oh my God, please no one come out of there. Please no one come out of there. Please no one come out of there. Luckily, no one came out of there. But <laughs> that is, yeah. I was just thinking, oh my God, this is completely pop. inappropriate. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I, I could have not said, as inappropriate Stephen as having Hitler as Hitler sign uh, <laughs> autographs for right. Indiana Jones, right. but it's up there. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's 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 wild. You know, I mean, and I have to say. You know, these parties were great, but they were a little um, more sedate than, like, say, for instance, uh, Rob's Eyes Wide Shut party, <laughs> birthday party, <laughs> which we will not talk about on this podcast because it's non explicit. It, it was a costume party of, of sorts. Sort of. Lack thereof. Um, yeah, so, um, Mr. Ashley Miller, what candy do you like to give out at your house? Well, traditionally, I've liked to give out candy that. I just wanted to eat while I was waiting for the little freaks to show up at my door. So I so, so, do you, so you have the strategy of you buy the candy that you would eat, not the candy that you wouldn't eat. So if it doesn't get passed out, you throw it all away. See, that's yes. what I do. I buy yes. the candy I wouldn't eat, so I don't eat it. when. And that's why I, kids hate going to your house. Because <laughs> I can't stand to watch it go to waste. So I would normally give out um, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, mm. which are my very favorite. However, mm-hmm. comma. Um, <laughs> recently, and this kind of ties into my, my favorite costume I've ever done, but I think I can now wear it again. Um, uh, recently, I've changed my dietary habits. So Reese's peanut butter cups are no longer on the menu. So I think this year we'll probably give out Kit Kats because they're my nine-year-old's favorite candy, and I mm-hmm. suspect that he will eat them all. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's really... He's a tiny boy, so he could probably use a Kit Kat or two. Um, <laughs> but my favorite costume, 10 years ago, um, I dressed up as Ash from the Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. And man, I like went through um, Army of Darkness frame by frame, mm-hmm. like figuring out where the blood splotches were, mm-hmm. where the tears <laughs> were, like how things were uh-huh. folded, where the blood was on his face. Like, I mean, it was just <clears throat> detailed. And you know, he was pretty skinny in that. Well, in 2008, <laughs> and then things happened. Things Groovy. happened to a things, man. Things, right? And I'm like, well, I can't ever dress up like that again. But now Bruce Campbell's reprised his role mm. right, as Ash in Ash versus the Evil Dead, yes. and he is Ash-sized <laughs> now. So I think I can go back now, and I can do that. Costume I have a question again. for you. Have you ever dressed as Ash from Alien? Um, mm. n- no, but uh, no, no, have I you, haven't. Have you ever dressed as Ashley from Gone with the Wind? <laughs> um, <laughs> No. <laughs> you should hit for the Ash cycle. <laughs> right? That reminds me. Uh, yeah. Although I was imagining like the Ash from um No, wait, that was that was uh was that that was was that Ian Holm? Yeah. Yeah, this we said from yeah. Alien, Ash from Alien. Yeah. I could just, you know, get like a just get like a like one of those little, you know, cartons of milk. Your kids wouldn't yeah. be too traumatized yeah, by totally. that totally. when you come home with your head in your... They uh, are, as if they aren't traumatized yeah. already. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Oh, yeah, Look who we're dealing with. I, I, I did dress as one of my namesakes once, Steve Austin, that's correct. astronaut at uh, a friend of ours' costume a wedding. man barely alive. But yes. you were so dedicated to realism, you poked out your own freaking yeah. eye. <laughs> Do you have a movie you like to watch on Halloween? You know, is there anything you, you turn on, you, you know? Monster Squad. I mean, I I tend to watch horror movies all month long in October. So it's I don't watch fest. a specific one on Halloween night, but uh, right. yeah. they say there are no monsters, no real yeah. ones, but there are. So you watch aliens? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. So Thursday. Back to movie week. Back to the four thirty movie. It's yeah. Vampire Week on the four thirty movie, and uh, Monday was near dark. Tuesday Nosferatu. Wednesday, Bram Stoker's Dracula. 
Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. I can't say it. it's a lot of words. It's a lot of words. Too many words. Too many notes. Uh, so Thursday, a lot of fine vampire movies we haven't talked about. So I'm going to pick one that's not so fine. Oh boy. Um, He's riffing. No, I'm not. I'm not riffing. I, I, I I'm going with um, Tony, Tony Scott's first movie. Oh. Uh, high style, mm-hmm. high fashion, high. You got to be high to love this movie. Um, uh, no, I, I love it. I love it. The Hunger, um, Catherine Deneuve and Susan Sarandon uh, and David Bowie in actually one of his most memorable roles with the beautiful makeup effects by Dick Smith. Uh, it's not um, a movie without its flaws. It's based on the novel by Whitley Strieber, um, which makes a lot more sense than the movie. Um you know, Tony Scott, this was a movie where he really emerges uh, from his brother's shadow. It's stylish. It's clearly influenced by the MTV era aesthetic of uh, the mid-'80s. But I saw it in the most uncomfortable of ways. Um, <laughs> the back of a Volkswagen? No, no. Um, uh, Vincent Camby, who was the New York Times film critic at the time, uh, uh, gave it a rave review in the New York Times. So my mother, I was in high school at the time, says, oh, uh, Vincent Camby, <laughs> uh, you know, gives a great review. We should go see this. Now, of course. Oh, no. uh, God. So I went with my mother to see the greatest wow. lesbian vampire movie of all time. Wow. Now, of course, I know some people say, oh, the vampire lovers, Hammer Horror. No, it's The Hunger. And Catherine Deneuve and Susan Sarandon. Now, at the time, I didn't hate Susan Sarandon for uh, voting third party. I used to love um, uh, Susan Sarandon, you know, who had been in so many great movies. And, and, of course, Catherine Deneuve, who could do no wrong. So to have them as as these, these um, vampires, uh, female vampires, you know, who literally sit at the piano and play Lock Me. It's a song about two women. Uh, it's, it's just such a great movie. And again, that the first 10 minutes of that movie, the montage is extraordinary, where basically uh, uh, Deneuve and Bowie's character are like these swingers who are visiting with Anne Magnuson because they're looking for their prey. And then they bring them to this beautiful... Uh, five-story walk-up brownstone in Manhattan where they incinerate the bodies of their victims. It's just so stylish and so cool, and it's so 80s in the very best of ways. And uh, while it doesn't quite make sense, uh, it really heralds the fact, uh, you know, of of Tony Scott, you know, as a major visual stylist who would then, you know, the interesting thing about The Hunger, which was not a successful movie for MGM at the time, MGM-UA, is that Tony Scott's next movie is... Top Gun. Right. So, you right. know, this was the last time he's doing something that's sort of really arty, that's not quite commercial, that, you know, he also is, um, you know, he's partnered with his brother doing commercials, but hasn't really done a feature yet. It's a really interesting um, artifact of its time, of Tony Scott's career. I, I just love the movie, and uh, I'm that's my nomination for Thursday is The Hunger. Well, you know, um, The Hunger, very... Briefly, I guess, became a uh, a show. Showtime on series, Showtime. two yeah. seasons, the last anthology series. Yeah, and it was interesting because the first season, I think Terrence Stamp was the uh, host, <laughs> and then the second season was David Bowie. No kidding. Yeah, and David Bowie uh, it just gives such a great performance in The Hunger because, of course, something goes wrong with him, uh, and he starts aging really rapidly. And Dick Smith does the makeup prosthetics, and he's he's literally there's a great scene where he's waiting for an appointment with an aging specialist played by. Um, Susan Sarandon and uh, 
uh, she keeps him waiting because she thinks he's just a crank. And uh, over the course of like the half hour, hour he's waiting in the uh, the lobby, he ages, uh, you know, by decades. And then she comes out and she sees him and she came, Mr. Blaylock, and she can't believe it. It's just an extraordinary scene. So again, The Hunger is a flawed movie, but it has so many great moments in it. Of course, uh, William uh, William Defoe does a cameo. I think it's a uh, one short, short, very small role. Um, but uh, just so many things to recommend. And if you haven't seen the movie, it's just great and sumptuous. If I may steal the word from Ashley and, uh, uh, Miller. For you, for you young people listening at home, it has nothing to do with the Hunger Games. Okay. <laughs> Those are completely Hilarious different things. It would be interesting to you know somehow link them together. The Hunger, uh, but Hunger no, Games. the Hunger Hunger Games. <laughs> I, 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 I do remember Coppola's, coming out of the screen, right. you know, seeing the movie at the Kingsway in Brooklyn, and my mom said, "Well, that was interesting." No kidding. <laughs> I have to say, I'll give you this much, Mark. Um, I saw the Hunger with my mom. Definitely beats. I saw Bram Stoker's Dracula on a first date with your wife. With my to wife. Be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it was literally like that was when people like Vincent Canby and Pauline Kael and Siskel and Ebert, film criticism mattered. It wasn't these idiots who know nothing about movies in their basement writing reviews, you know. Uh, Making podcasts. Right? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Making podcasts, you know. And, and so, um, uh, you know, if you read a review – that was, you know, and it really, you know, said this is a really stylish, special, you know, interesting movie. You know, it could drive you to go see something that With you would normally see. <laughs> God, that is just so mortifying. <laughs> uh, and then it became a perennial on HBO. Sure. Uh, and, and so you and, watch it together every year. And it was one of the first Laserdiscs I ever bought, too. Yeah, not a Christmas month. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and it has a very interesting atonal score. Yes. Um, it's just a, a really fascinating movie, and you you see sort of a lot of the tricks of Tony Scott's career that would come back, you know, because he's made better movies, you know, Crimson Tide, um, obviously Spy Game, um, you know, but the the you really see that the seeds of his um, career uh, being planted in this first in this film. And it's gonzo and it's weird and it makes no sense. But there, there's so many things that I think are special about it. And, um, um, and and of course, it's also the first time that he uses that Schubert tune that he uses in virtually every movie he ever made, um, uh, the, the, the Schubert trio, that is so familiar in the oeuvre of um, Tony Scott. But I, I love The Hunger. I, unapologetic fan. And that's my nomination for Thursday. Stop apologizing. Great. But oh, I right. You're unapologetic. <laughs> I'm unapologetic. <laughs> I'm unapologetic. And you can't go wrong with uh, Catherine Deneuve and Susan Sarandon as vampires because they are great in it. Yes. Which brings us... Even if she did vote for Jill Stein, which is unforgivable. <laughs> um, okay. So, um, <laughs> the Friday... Uh, let's talk about some of the other movies that could be eligible uh, that we haven't talked about. There's so many. Um, there, there are there are a lot of really terrific vampires. Would films. you say there are a plethora of if vampire films? A myriad, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that word means what you think it means. Uh, I, you know, I, I just got to throw this out. I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention uh, 1930s Todd Browning's Dracula. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, the Mexican version or the uh, well, uh, uh, well, I was going to talk about that too, but it, they're both. You know, uh, obviously, the the original with uh, Bela Lugosi is the definitive uh, Dracula film. You know, it defined Dracula for decades. Yeah. And uh, there were so many. I mean, how many different versions of it did Hammer 
do. Right. Right. Um, Dracula, you know, <laughs> Dracula rises from the grave. The exploitation movies, Blackula, like, and just like, I mean, they're just the Drac. There's so Doctor many Dracula. 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 <laughs> Doctor yeah, Dracula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dracula waits till late afternoon to go outside. <laughs> and look, and then you get into the revisionist <laughs> stuff, like you know, like Marvel's Blade, which you know sure. was sort of one of the first Marvel movies that ever really worked. You know, people forget, you know. That, that world above you is just a sugar-coated topic. And, and and George Romero's revisionist to vampire movie, Martin. I was going to mention yeah. Martin. Uh, yeah, really interesting. And Chris Sarandon is so great in Fright Night as, uh, with okay. Roddy McDowell. Love Fright Night. Mm-hmm. Love Fright Absolutely. Night. It's just, um, that was uh, that was such a great marriage of um, of things that were truly scary. Like, it, it didn't, it wasn't screwing around with the um, with with the with the frightening stuff, with the horror stuff, right? It it treated that very seriously, but it allowed the film to be funny and sort of feel um, like these were real people that were in the in the middle of it. Um, it was actually, I think, a much better interpretation uh, for uh, for film of Salem's Lot than <laughs> any of like the filmed versions of, of Salem's Lot. Mm. It was that very sort of Stephen King. Um, hey, here are all these horrors and things that go bump in the night that you that you love and you remember. Except um, we're going to contemporize them and we're going to put them in suburbia. And I, that's just what is brilliant about written Bright. by Tom Holland of Cloak and Dagger fans. Yeah. Damn right. And and you know what's interesting is that really is a product of its time because of course it's about a horror show host like. Uh, you know, and one of those late night hosts, one of those late night horror shows, which don't really exist now. I, I'd be very curious to see, <laughs> sort of, um, for, for younger fan, you know, watching it, how they would embrace the movie. You know, not sort of getting the concept of what Sven Gulli or these kind of guys that hosted Chiller Theater or whatever late at night. Elvira, you know, that was a staple vampire. of our yeah. TV watching sure. at the time, and that that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, which is kind of sad. But it, well, I mean, it sort of exists now. It's like if you. Um, if you there are certain uh, horror streaming services that will do like um, what's his name is it Joe Bob Briggs oh yeah right. but Ronnie yeah. yeah Ronnie McDowell's so great and then yeah. you had Stephen Jeffries who went on to do I guess gay porn after that it was so weird um, because he was like a staple You're such of the eighties Brewster you know uh, <laughs> movies as well and then. Um, uh, you know, Amanda Bierce, who's wonderful in it. Mm-hmm. As uh, um, it's, it's really uh, Friday Night's a really wonderful little movie. Um, We're talking about the 1985. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not the remake. remake. I haven't even seen the. Dream it's not yeah. the remake. It is ungood. So I, I think this isn't going to be my my suggestion, but no uh, discussion of vampire films is complete without 1987's Joel Schumacher film, mm. The Lost yeah, Boys. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. I think that's a great movie. It's it's again. It kind of captures that sense of these these kids who sort of feel real, even though they kind of live in this very very heightened reality. Um, and it kind of it took advantage of uh, the the story being. And it's not just hey, we guess there's vampires like in our neighborhood, but but just really playing on the fact that um, that Jason Patrick, who's in the lead. Uh, Corey Haim, who's his little brother, kind of, they show up in this new town. They don't know anything about <laughs> the murder and capital so, of the world. Exactly, they're already you know strangers, <laughs> and um, and it just it, it goes from there in this really fascinating way. Um, Kiefer Sutherland is completely fantastic. Uh, Jamie Gertz as well. And apparently, this movie started off as almost a, a, a horror response uh, to The Goonies. Mm. Right, that it was supposed to be um, children, that they were supposed to be younger, um, that that star wasn't supposed to be female, um, Mm. 
there was going to be like the Frog Brothers were like precocious eight year olds. <laughs> and to his credit, uh, Joel Schumacher, of mm-hmm. all people, made the excellent decision. You know, we should age this up. Yeah. And we should make it sexier. And he really did. And he and, made it awesome. And brought in shirtless saxophone player. Yes. I mean, yeah. Which is <laughs> I still believe. The music in that movie is just he he selects it perfectly. It's basically it's I mean, look, it's not like the Schumacher oeuvre is just filled with great films, but like, but Lost Boys he is legit a modern great. classic. It's a modern classic. And Steve, sure. Steve's saying I, I wouldn't pick this for Friday, but I kind of would. Yeah. I would well, go well, into the weekend I, I with the Corys. I mean, yeah. yeah. How can, you well, know, let's let's continue talking about this, but I have another one I'll bring up. But Lost Boys is. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also Darren had a great suggestion with Todd Browning's Dracula, I mean, but Lost Boys. Lost Boys is... came out about two months before Near Dark. It's actually in a lot of ways the same story mm-hmm. about a, a young person. And falling in with a coven of vampires and and being ambivalent about you know being turned into a vampire and not Problem wanting Santa to Clara. embrace the, the too one many of the damn gr- vampires. One of the one of the greatest. Was that the last line of the yeah. film? One of the greatest lines of all time. Yep. You want to say it again? Um, that's the problem with Santa Clara. Too many damn vampires. One thing I was it. One thing I never could yeah. abide about Santa. Yeah, that's right. All the goddamn vampires. <laughs> I mean, it's just brilliant. Spoiler alert. But oh. it's so great. Um, I, th- this is a film that I watch every year around Halloween. Uh, I probably watch all the films we've discussed around Halloween, except for The Hunger. Well, you I should. I, I want to see. I haven't seen Catherine. The Hunger. <laughs> yeah. When your mom comes to visit, hey mom, you want to <laughs> see The Hunger? I'm just going to throw on The Hunger see it tonight, which well, is with your mom. Blu-ray from Warner Archives. And okay, I, I'll, I'll pick. In that I, case, I did bring home the VHS mom. tape uh, of Blue Velvet to watch with my mom. Once. Jesus, that was Christ. A, oh that my God, that's worse, dude. That's worse. <laughs> I mean, not not worse in terms of a movie because it's it's a it's classic, a it's a masterpiece. But um, but watch watching that with your, your mom, do not watch that with your <laughs> mom. Like, Don't watch, watch with your, your mom. Week. <laughs> oh, I love it. And the worst thing is, I had already seen Blue Velvet like twice oh. in the theater, and I still thought it was a good idea to rent this movie on VHS. Like, hey, mom, this is a really good movie. Should you we are watch out it? of your oh. cotton picking mind, or whatever. Oh. Wow. So anyway, the other vampire movie I wanted to throw out there for. Discussion was uh, a film that came out a couple years ago, directed by Taika Waititi, Waititi mm-hmm. and Jermaine Clement. Oh, the shadows! Well, we what we do in the shadows, in the shadows yeah. a fabulous mockumentary uh, made down in New Zealand, starring Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi and uh, Reese Darby as the leader of a werewolf pack. We're werewolves, not swearwolves. <laughs> werewolves. <laughs> it's a it's a movie that. Uh, pokes fun at all of the vampire tropes and werewolf tropes that we've seen over the decades. It's about a group of roommates, vampire roommates, that share a house. (laughs) And they're all different ages. They're all made into vampires in different eras. And my favorite one is Peter... Who's six thousand years old? That looks just like Nosferatu. Yeah. He lives down in the basement. <laughs> he's got the big teeth, the big bald head. It is hilarious. This movie, I highly recommend it to anyone who is a lover of vampire films. It's recent, so a lot of you have probably seen this movie. But if you haven't, do, you know, do yourself a favor. It's it's a blast. I want to throw out a couple more. Please do. Uh, let the right one in. Yes. Oh yeah, great choice. Um, it's uh, it's extremely well done. The uh, the American remake is also pretty good, uh, but it's not as good as the uh, as the original. Uh, my second one is Twilight. Jeff, Jeff Goldblum. Jesus. <laughs> Twilight. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, Ed Begley Jr., Gina Davis, 
Transylvania 65,000. Oh, wow. yeah, Transylvania 65,000. <laughs> From wow, 1985, it's terrible. Yeah. But you need to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you with absolutely need to see it. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. I wouldn't watch this with my mom either. On the boat, not. But uh, <laughs> it's it's not with green eggs and ham. You you will not believe it. Yeah. You will simply not believe it. I already don't. I would I would also say um, uh, we could consider from *Dust Till Dawn*, Robert yeah. Rodriguez's mm-hmm. uh, high octane uh, pulp uh, movie with the, which is really two movies. You know, it's the first hour with uh, Quentin and. Um, and, and George, George Clooney, Clooney, and then it becomes this vampire movie in the second half, and then was spawn, spun off as a TV series. Uh, and then Innocent Blood, John Landis is uh, mm-hmm. with Anne Perlard from uh, La Femme Nikita, uh, and Don Rickles. There which, was a movie I had such high hopes for. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. 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 Well, well then there's mo- the, uh, the 1979 remake of Dracula. Right. Right. Which is interesting with uh, Frank Langella mm-hmm. playing Dracula. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. We didn't Another talk about that. Another good John Williams score. Indeed. Yeah, great, great John great, Williams but, score. Great John Great. Williams score. Yeah. I good. love that yeah. score. It's a good score. Sweeping. Yeah. And sumptuous. And, and sumptuous. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, Especially I, if you I, like I, Cloud I City. Say, I listen to that score a lot. Okay. I, 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 like I need that to get it. I don't have. I actually don't own that. Oh, it's score. a really, it's a, re- a really good score. And especially when I was writing, you know, doing any horror stuff, that was on my, you know, like writing playlist for that. And then I, I, I love that. I think that's quite. That's an overlooked John. I heard he played in concert. He did recently, yeah, and year, I, uh, I wish I had, had had heard it because I, I love that score. I'd like to play for a little tune that we did for. Dracula back in the in the seventies. I think you'll like it. Our, our first violinist enjoys this very much. So here it is. <laughs> Thank you, John Williams. Wow. wow, we really, you know, you that's never know a, who's going to drop show by up at the, the four thirty movie. Uh, <laughs> that's a great thing about being here at Electric because you know there's so many big people that come by to you know the studios and we're able to pull them in briefly to talk what on. You our call podcast. them big people. Get out of here, John Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, we got to make a decision. We got a lot of possible show uh, movies to consider for Friday. I I'm leaning towards Lost Boys. I am too. Yeah, I think I'll go there. Too. Yeah, you know, see what we do in the shadows. It's a great comedy. It would be a great aperitif. I mean, but yeah, uh, Lost Boys sure. is a is a classic, and it's a cautionary tale of uh, going to Santa Clara and <laughs> yeah. you know, Bela's going to be pissed, aware. but you know, and, and it will also teach you things like. You know, when somebody, say they're called Warner Brothers, announces that, you know, Tim Burton isn't doing another Batman movie, but they got Joel Schumacher to do it. And suddenly you get super excited because you really love Lost Boys yeah. and you're hoping maybe he does something <laughs> like that with Batman. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, what the? Oh, by the way, I forgot to say one more thing about The Hunger. You mentioned oh, Bela Lugosi. The movie opens with Bauhaus's Bela Lugosi's Dead, which mm, is sort geez. of a meta statement about the whole, you know, revisionist vampire thing. But it's this great MTV kind of montage of the killing and the murder and the getting rid of the bodies and stuff to Bela Lugosi's Dead, which works just marvelously well. So even if you watch the first 15 minutes of that movie, move on to, you know, Thursday. But, you know, you can come home from school, say, I'm not going to do my homework. I'm going to watch. Mom, you should come here. <laughs> watch. <laughs> Watch The Hunger with me. <laughs> yeah, movies that will never be on at 4.30. Vincent uh, Canby loved it. Right. So did Mark Altman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes? yes. No, I was just checking the clock. Oh, yeah, well, the big <laughs> clock. So listen, so I think we, we have some winners here. I think we have Monday. I lost my list. Monday's near dark. Monday is near dark. And then um, Tuesday, we have Nosferatu. Wednesday is Francis Ford Coppola's Bram presents Stoker. Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> 
Uh, Thursday is uh, my mom's favorite movie, The Hunger. <laughs> and Friday is Lost Boys, Joel Schumacher's classic film with the Corys. Uh, and that is Vampire Weeks, a great way to celebrate your Halloween. Oh! And Ooh, scary, scary, scary uh, boys and girls. Uh, uh, if uh, that's uh, not enough, um, you should check out Lore on Amazon. Ashley is a producer on that, and um, uh, it will have premiered by the time you hear this episode. It's oh, worth yes. checking out. Um, and then uh, Steve Melching, Star Wars Resistance, uh, is playing on the Disney Channel. And of course, the 430 Movie Store is open 24-7. So if uh, you're sitting at home behind your computer, it's 3 in the morning, and you feel like picking up some great uh, 430 Movie swag, check that out at 430movie.com. That's Four. right. 430movie.com. Correct. And if you're sitting at home at 3 in the morning and want to read about Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> you can also pick up my new book, So Say We All, The Oral History of Battlestar Galactica, available wherever books are sold. Um, you can follow us on social media at 430 Podcast, or you can like us on Facebook. Uh, and um, also visit us at 430movie.com. We want to extend our special thanks to everyone here at Electric Studios, especially our engineer, the great Bill Ritter, who makes it all possible. And we look forward to seeing you next week with an all-new episode of The 430 so Movie. Get out of here and watch the movies already. <laughs> and don't buy cheap candy. Those kids deserve quality candy. And, and get them a watch, Reggie bar. Don't watch sex with your mom. That is for sure. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. God, that's a mortifying memory. Jeez, that's the Christ. true horror yeah. of Halloween. Join us next time. <laughs> Bye now. Happy Halloween. <laughs>